Right. Good morning, everybody. It's Iron Radio. Thanks for joining us. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, strength coach in Topeka, Kansas at Strength Field. Hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I created the Flex Diet Cert, which opens again in June, and Associate Professor at Kerrigan Institute. Today is my, as of the recording, last day here in South Padre, Texas, and we'll start heading uh, back home. Had a fun kiteboarding session last night. Didn't quite hit my goal of the 20-foot jump yet, but I got 15 feet and got several over 10, and I actually landed most of them this time, so I was happy with progress. It doesn't hurt as bad then. (laughs) (laughs) This is Coach Durrell from Strength Guild East in Olathe, Kansas. Well, technically, you guys would know it as Kansas City. Um, Last week, I was a weightlifting and strongman coach. This weekend, I'll be a powerlifting coach. A lot going on. Before we, Terrell's going to go into weightlifting nationals here in a bit, but before that, I had a couple things I wanted to bring up. Uh, Masters nationals. Well, Masters nationals, yes. Far different. No, I'm going to report to you guys. I talked, chopped Dr. Michael Wine a week ago or so ago about me and the wife are ordering those aura rings. So yeah, we'll be able to see what those are about. The only reason I'm getting one is, well, she wanted me to, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, that. They, they test your blood O2 level, like as the day goes on, and with my CPAP issues and stuff, I think it'll be interesting to see wearing it at night, like how close to death I become. Yeah, uh, overnight, because there'll be times I don't wear it. It's it's weird because if I wear it for like a week, I can take my CPAP off for probably two days, and I breathe regular, hmm. and then then I'll revert back to dying four or five times a night. Uh, on night three, so uh, it'll just be interesting to see what the hell happens there with it. Uh, I know my blood pressure and stuff. That was one of the things. Like my blood pressure was up years, a couple few years back before I had my CPAP, and just that, like going to that changed that dramatically. Oh yeah, uh, because there were times she recorded me one night, and that was like I quit breathing for like a little over a minute. <laughs> and I'd, I'd wake up just gasping. Well, I didn't wake up, but because I don't remember it, but I'd gasping for air. And she's like, "Yeah, you got to do something about this. You're like dying multiple times a night." So, uh, yeah. so anyways, that and just see see where the hell it'll be fun to track things like that. So, yeah, he was updated. Let me know what you find with that. I don't have the new new version yet, so I'm curious to see how well that specific sensor works and then yeah. you. Want to get super crazy? I have another sensor I've used that uh, they use for at-home sleep studies, but you can okay. get the O2 sensor that'll run at night. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious sometimes to compare the two. Compare the two. It doesn't yeah. see anything, and you feel like you're definitely waking up gasping. So yeah, yeah, keep us updated. Yeah, will do. So other than that, man, my week has been since Thursday has been filled with the draft and watching freaks get picked up by different teams. Oh. Uh, the Any funniest ones. ones. Do you guys watch, watch it all? Any. Yeah, no, most I don't know what's going on. I've, seen some, I've just seen some highlights. Uh, the funniest one, well, two two moves. The one was just an enjoyable move for me when we traded up right ahead of the Bills and took the guy they wanted, and they were pissed. Man. Um, the worst one was Jamison Williams, uh, stud wide receiver out of Alabama, I do believe. He came in for a visit with the Chiefs and 
dude came decked out in all like red, yellow, and white, like a red suit, just looking sharp. And the giant or the fucking lions traded up and took him, and he was pissed. He was just, he was on the stage holding his new jersey about to cry. <laughs> it's like, you waited all this years, these years, you finally got your dream, but you go to the fucking Lions. And it's like, fuck, I'm locked in for five years with this team. Oh, for but, five years, too. Yeah, because first rounders have that fifth year option. And he's like, fuck. You know, he was, he was not, not happy. <laughs> But and we're saying he's a junior, so a lot of people are saying he may not sign the contract. Like he doesn't have to sign the contract. He could he could not sign it and decide to go play his fourth year in college oh, and just wow. do the draft again. But we'll see. It'd be hard to turn down. Either way it's life like life altering money. But here's the thing, <laughs> yeah. so with the with the NIL and like transfer portal stuff, maybe not. Like yeah. He could be like, yeah, not, and then go make, still make millions. Make millions and play another year. Yeah. Yeah. And then go back. So that's true. So it'll be interesting to see if he signs his contract. Yeah. That would make life suck for like teams (laughs) like the Lions. It would. Yeah. (laughs) People are like, okay, we're just not going to go there. Yep. Not happening. Going back to school. So yeah. Yeah. Other than that, man, it's been regular life. So. Just, just watching that, but that's a fun one to watch. Between the, just the from the athletic aspect, watching the uh, combine and all that stuff is is pretty fun. So, I really love the combine. Yeah, some and of the also, tests. I mean, probably the most interesting part to me is like how how fast and how athletic the big guys have gotten. Yeah, oh, crazy so fast. Crazy. So. Yeah, there were several offensive linemen in, like, the 4-4 range. It was like, holy. Yeah, Yeah, that dude's, like, 280. (laughs) Imagine seeing that coming at you at that speed. Funniest one was Deion Sanders. When that white dude took off running, he's like, man, that guy can run for a, well, you know, I'm not going to say it on TV. (laughs) 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 Yeah, we all know. Yeah. Oh, uh, anyways, so you guys went to Masters Nationals. Tell us all about it. You did well. I know you got at least one gold medal. Yeah, I did well. This is we only had two. I had two girls this year, and then so uh, Jess Jessica Cruz. She's my first girl. She went on. They both went on Sunday. She went Sunday morning. She went five for six with clean and jerk PR and a total PR. So that was good for her. That was her first experience like that. And I asked her how, like, oh, how was your first national experience? She was like, this kind of feels like a, just like a local meet in another state. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of how Masters Nationals goes. But then Erica, she took, well, Kind of a tight little, tight little bunch at the top. Um, but she took gold in, in the 76 kilo class with an 84 kilo snatch, which we won gold on our first, the first made attempt. Like her opener would have won gold by like two or three kilos. She missed the opener, but then came back and made it and then made 84. So we had like a six kilo lead going into clean and jerks. And it got real tight, which was kind of interesting because so Erica took silver 
at Salt Lake in 2019 on like same thing, like a crazy cleaning jerk team. Like the girl in front, the girl was behind on snatch quite a bit, but then on a cleaning jerk, she missed her first, this other girl missed her first two cleaning jerks. Nierka had a pretty good cleaning jerk day that day. And, but made a huge jump and made, like, actually somehow came out and made her last attempt and stole the gold. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, unfortunate, but it was good, a good experience. So Erica was able to come back this time and same, same situation, a different girl comes out and she has to take a hundred kilos for, to win gold. And to be honest, like her last warm ups look sketchy and I was like, okay, we're probably fine. Her platform lifts, first two looked real heavy and sketchy. I was like, yeah. She goes in and she makes the clean on the hundred kilos and then is under the jerk in like the deepest split, like an old school split. And I was like, is Eric about to get beat on a ridiculous clean jerk again? Like but she dropped it, so Erica took gold and then there was another girl who Stole silver because she made a crazy clean and jerk jump for that session. So it was kind of a fun little session. Um, but yeah, those are our two. Another, another weekend in Salt Lake City. Um, Masters Nationals is always interesting. I, I can't say it enough. I wish we would just abandon the, the separate Masters Nationals because and I understand somewhat of the reasons like they, they wanted to stay separate, but if they just made it like the collegiate universities where it was a part of the AO series somewhere or even part of, you know, the Nationals week in Vegas, it would be so much better. Like the training hall was, you know, they had cheap ply boards down and like every time, like there was wood shillings everywhere. In the training mm-hmm. hall and the warm up room, just because those platforms were falling apart after the first day. Oh, jeez. So, and it's like, and it, it wasn't too bad, but the other thing, and so there was only a few girls' bars back there, but there was more girls who signed up for them. Like, this was like, it was almost like 55 to 57% were women who did, you know, nationals this year. So, it's like, her, they're still not at the terms where it's like women are doing this stuff more than men. Like there's more women doing this and therefore shouldn't have to fight for three barbells in the back when should have at least, and there's only six training hall platforms for, you know, a crazy number of athletes. Whereas if you go, you know, AO series or whatever, when rogue brings all their stuff, there's tons of training hall space. There's, it's like, we just, Added on, it would be cheaper for the masters lifters, and then you'd have access to more and better equipment with, you know, kind of a better setup. Not that this was run poorly as a meet. It just like, you know, when Rogue brings all their stuff down, they have the video screens and all that stuff. This, I mean, there was like we didn't have to do anything to go there. Like there was no any kind of security or anything like that. So there's just a ton of people in the warm up area, like all the time. Tons of people back, tons of extra people back there. And I don't know. It's always just a weird experience with Masters National stuff. 
I really wish we'd just go, just let ourselves be a part of USAW and then plug into the USAW system as opposed to having a completely separate or like partially separate entity. It's kind of an odd thing. So yeah, that was our experience in Salt Lake with the Masters Nationals. Nice. Did we lose Phil? I don't know. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) He must have dropped off. I can't see. Oh, he has his mic off. Oh. Operator error. But maybe he stepped away for a second. But yeah, that was, that was kind of the experience. I, I do enjoy like the Masters meet itself. Uh, one of the other coaches who I talk to quite often when I see these things, she came up and was like, and kind of made the statement like, you know, all the other stuff, youth nationals, junior nationals, when you're fighting for spots, she's like, she said, it's like all those other national meets are like, are about attitude. It's like Masters Nationals is about gratitude. And mm. I was like, you know, that's kind of the vibe. So it's like competing as a Masters athlete, I think, is is a lot more fun. There's less less overall pressure. I mean, some people put pressure on themselves for sure, but everyone's, you know, kind to each other and all that stuff, which is just a better experience nice. in general. So, But I... I think we did. Uh, there's one other meet where we've like made more lifts, but I think the percentage of lifts. So we only missed three lifts total. As, wow, as that's really good. Minutes, so that was pretty good for us. Plus a gold medal. Erica took gold total snatch and bronze and clean and jerk, and then just five or six with PRs. So it's good. Good little meat for us. Nice. I assume your lifters were happy with that. I mean, as happy as they could be. They're they're never truly happy. They're always <laughs> like, oh, I could have, oh, I could have made that <laughs> a little lifter. far. <laughs> yeah. It's always like so. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's always like, you know. Oh, that, that one snatch so just went five, made every lift so besides this last snatch, but it was a PR. And so she going out was like, you know, it just was like a nerve wracking thing for her, I think. And so she approached it a little bit differently and then like tried to muscle it and it just didn't go well. Mm. But then came back and made all of her cleaning jerks. But afterwards, she just was, like, mad about that one snatch. So, But it's, like, it's fine. Like, once you're in the game, you're just in the game, particularly in meets. It's, like, yeah, you want to hit all your lifts and stuff, but especially when you're, on like, looking for medals and stuff, it's, like, once you get there, just play the game. Like, don't worry about made or missed, you know, trying to be perfect or anything like that because – you could take gold at, with two for six lifting. Like yeah, yeah. All those things. So, and then Erica, we weren't really, she got close to PRs on everything, but I only put on the bar what we needed to win. 
So when you're playing the middle game, it's a little bit different. It's not exactly about PRs. I like I want PRs and I'll you know plan for them, but it's always about securing the middle first. And then, but so you got to secure the middle on the first two. And so missing an opener was um, she was frustrated with that, but otherwise, I mean, it's gold. I can't be too frustrated, right? Yeah. No, anyways, like I was I was trying to say, but it wouldn't let me. I was talking and you guys couldn't hear me. Um, you know, as, as far as oddly or poorly ran meets, we both had people in the strongman competition that, I mean, it ended well on our end anyways. Yeah, I saw uh, Gina won, so congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those deals. It's the second meet in a row down there. I'm not even going to name where it was at, but, uh, um, for the second time in a row in less than a year, they promoted a bunch of events, and then you get there the day of, and it's like, hey, we don't have that equipment. And they changed so it. So yeah. we're going to change to all these events instead. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's bullshit. Uh, you know, especially in strongman. Like in powerlifting, what, you can't change the events. Powerlifting, yeah. weightlifting, <laughs> like, guys, we're not squatting today. We're going to do good mornings. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, that's essentially what they did. And a lot of people in strongman, they, like, they pick meets based on the events there. Yeah. Like, especially new people. Like, I've never done that, so I'm not signing up for that meet. But uh, they changed thing day of, and then it went from, like, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., <laughs> which for strongman, holy wow. shit, that's a long day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Gina did well, which she's training out of my gym still most of the time. And uh, so she's stoked, but... Uh, just a, and I guess half the, like four or five of the people that were supposed to be in the event ended up judging because they didn't have them. <laughs> so they had people back out from competing to, so they'd have judges. Uh, just not, <laughs> not the best ran wow. day in the world. I, so. so yeah, I, I, Brandon's my, uh, lifter who was there. I didn't get all that. He was just focused on like the stuff he did. He only told me about one event that had changed for him. Yeah was like and it was it was kind of the same thing my discussion with him was a little bit different it was just like that happens a lot in strongman to be honest like in terms of my experience like you show up and they're like well instead we're like even something simple where it's like we were going to do max deadlift but now we're going to do x deadlift for reps yeah i've seen that happen like every time it's been a change like that yeah so but his, the main one that changed for him was, like, we prepared for the sandbag loading, which was supposed mm-hmm. to be an escalating loading, right? So you had, like, a, you know, light sandbag, medium. There's four, so yeah. from light to heavy. Yep. And then they were like, ah, I, he just came and he was like, well, they had us do the, the heavy one four times. Yeah. And I was like, okay, which he should have been fine. He didn't do as well as he wanted to on that. Which I don't know exactly what he's struggling on not being there, but yeah, it was like even it's like oh so now we're just going to use the heavy. It's like okay man, like that changes the game quite a bit, right? A lot, yeah, yeah. That was at the last one, the same meet they had like a stone load, and day of they changed it to, well we only have one stone, so like the lightweight guys, I had a lightweight guy down there. And they had to do a 335-pound stone. Because oh, that's what they had. And he's like, holy shit. You know, I've never touched a stone in my life, and now I have to do 335 for AMRAP, and I weigh 187 pounds. <laughs> 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 so, but, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't get how that. And I, like you said, I understand some simple moves like, oh, we were going to do max. Now we're doing this for reps, whatever. Mm-hmm. But to totally change an event and drastically to the point where a lot of people can't do it. And we'll see. That's like Strongman changed itself. Like I got out of it. Well, after I got injured, but it was also the reason I got out was you were at the point where amateur shows were getting so heavy. That it was oh, like, yeah. it got to the point where it was like, like to enter an amateur show, we were doing like 700 pound farmers. And it was like, holy shit, come on, <laughs> you know, and I could do it, but you'd go there and there'd be like, let's say there's six dudes in your class, like four or five of them wouldn't even be able to do it. And that's not any fun for anybody. It's not fun for the crowd. It's not fun for the athlete. Um, when you have all these events with scratches, it's like, oh, the guy who won is, he did it once. You know, it's, it's boring as hell. Um, it's the opposite that happened to us in the, like the Highland Games this last time. And that's just because they picked a caber that was so easy because we had new people that like everyone flipped it. Mm-hmm. And so it's the opposite effect. You know, now the crowd's looking at it and they have no, you know, <laughs> they have no barometer of how hard this is and they see everybody turn it. So it's like, oh, whatever. Another guy turned it, you know. Um, so it's, I mean, it's this balancing act between, you know, you want some people to do it, and sure, a, a person or two failing is fine. But when like everybody but one person fails, it's like Snorefest. But well, even with strongman, I think then you hear. I mean, you know, I did a novice competition, God, a long time ago, 2014, 2015, and. Didn't do much after that because the weights were getting just bonkers. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like I'm fine with scratching a couple events or it's right on yes. the edge, but I was looking at some of the weights for some of the upcoming events and I'm like, shit, I don't even think I could get a rep in any of them except for the frame carry and maybe tires. <laughs> yeah. And that was the problem. I mean, and that's like I, the biggest problem I had with it was, the amateur shows got to the point that they demanded people to be on drugs at an amateur show. It was an amateur. Like, it was a novice. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. You're, and by definition, you're in your own division for people that are new to your sport. Yeah. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and we're scaring people away. And that changed some. And now the big one that annoys the hell out of me is like they get on these. It's like nationwide. They get in on event kick. Like for a while there it was circus dumbbell. So every fucking show had the same events. It's oh, like wow. the fun thing about Strongman is that, especially as a promoter, like I've promoted shows. The awesome thing is, it's like anything you can think of, you can do. Yeah. So when you look at contests across the country, and you're like, oh, they're all the same, you know. And well, what was the other one they got a hold of last year? It was Farmers Holds. Oh, so you don't even walk with them; you just stand up and hang there that's that's fun can, for the crowd to watch oh god the boring <laughs> spent, like even the athletes hate it they're like this is fucking stupid you know <laughs> because you have no barometer again to aim for like when right. joe smith before me goes two and a half laps it's easy for me to okay mentally i just got to make it two steps past that mm-hmm. and you can push yourself in that way it's just like when somebody gets like in the gym it happens almost every weekend we do an amrap or something and it's whoever goes last wins. Yeah. Because you know coming in, like the first guy's like, well, I'm going to go for 10. And 10 was hard, so he quits. And then guy number two is like, all I got to do is get 11. 
you know, <laughs> and you can mentally set yourself up for that. And that's like we see that in the gym all the time. Like I had a guy the other day who was like he had he came into an AMRAP and he had number eight. The number eight was his number in his head. And he went through them, and then number eight was kind of hard, and he stopped. And I was like, why didn't you go ten, dude? You had it. Well, I had eight in my head. So, oh, yeah. And once you have something in your head like that, it's it's hard to go past it. So, But when somebody's standing there with farmers, it's like, oh, they went 32 and a half seconds. And, like, you don't get this clock right in front of you usually. And it's just it's boring for you. It's boring for the athletes. It's like stand there and hold things. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things you could think of, like, that was the fun part I had with it. I would literally, we'd get out the welder and start making new shit mm-hmm. for events because it's fun that way, and it's fun for the athletes. Yeah, That's what I wish local shows would go back to, like, washing machine carries and shit like that. Um, that's the fun part of the old sport. Like, then the real world, your average person understands it better because mm-hmm. they don't know what a barbell weighs. But if you see somebody carrying a refrigerator, <laughs> you're like, holy shit, you know, that's impressive because they know how much a refrigerator weighs um, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, you see yeah. that in grip sports stuff too. It's like people are more impressed with you bending of the world's cheapest frying pan or potentially tearing a deck of cards and tearing a deck of cards is, hard but not impossible than picking up like an inch dumbbell or a heavy denny stone lift or something that's Mm -hmm. different just because they can relate to it and i remember with with strongman like people were so impressed i flipped a 650 pound tire Mm -hmm. and that wasn't really that hard my deadlift was only like around maybe 400 yeah you know but they're like wow that's so crazy yes like it wasn't really that bad because, you know, depending <laughs> on the style of the tire and the grip yep. and the height and all that stuff makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. You know, I've done 450-pound tires that were harder just because of the mm-hmm. shape, you know, but it's something people can relate to and watch. They're like, oh, that's cool. Yep. <laughs> and that's the fun part about Strongman. And like yeah. I said, I mean, then as a promoter, you can just think of that. You know, like if you want to expand the sport, you need to make it the best for the spectators. Mm-hmm. And usually that's the best for the competitors, too, because it's fun for them. Uh, yeah. But they ignore that, and they all get stuck on one event, and so every amateur show has the same shit. And and I understand it a bit. A lot of it's easy stuff. Uh, just like when you do, a, like, a max deadlift versus, versus AMRAP, dude, that makes it easy on the promoter. You, there's mm-hmm. no change in weights. You load a bar once, and you're good. Yep. <laughs> but But is it fun? Yeah, that's a different story. But, yeah. So, yeah, other than that, I don't know, man. What else do we got going on? I don't Anything know. I haven't fun in the world of strength. In the world. <laughs> Neither have I. Neither have I. A hermit. <clears throat> like I said, I'm so stuck on the – I get nerded out this time of year on the draft. So, <sighs> you ever trained anyone to, like – Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just asking Phil who he thinks is going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> this coming year? That's tough. Yeah. It's going to be – the problem is it's going to be somebody from the AFC if they don't get injured mm. because that division is so stacked now that they're going to beat the shit out of each other all year long. 
So it might come down to the other bit. Like they're going to come in so beat up that like all the huge trades have gone to the, the AFC. Uh, like we have all the quarterbacks besides Rodgers and, and then Green Bay traded away. He's got to be pissed. Like the whole drama with Rodgers last year and like maybe not coming back. And then they finally sign him to come back on a long-term deal. And then they fucking let go every receiver. Like, really? okay, we got you back at $500 million, but you have no one to throw to. Oh. <laughs> and then they drafted no one. Like, everybody's like, okay, they're going to take a bunch of receivers in the first round. Nope, they took, like, offensive linemen and a linebacker. And he's like, what the hell? You know, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't an know Rodgers, but I would imagine that if he knew that deal was coming, he probably would have signed for less or played less just to have a yeah. chance to do better. <laughs> exactly. And that's. That's the thing. And then, I don't know, you're seeing these crazy-ass, like, the wide receiver market blew up this year, which rightly so. I don't blame them. Like, go get your money, dude. You're putting your life on the line in the NFL. You know, the careers are short. But, you know, you had, like, with Kansas City, they had to let Tyree Hill go because he wanted – they offered him $22 million a year, and he wanted twenty five. Oh, and wow. the problem with that is you have you have a set limit now in the NFL, which I think is great with the salary cap. I wish other sports would do it because it – like, you wouldn't see a Yankees yeah. in the MLB where they just buy a team. So, basically, you come in MLB and you know it's going to be like the Yankees, the Red Sox. There's a few teams that are going to win 99% of the time because they chuck, like, a billion dollars to their team. Whereas the NFL, you can't do that anymore. But the problem is, is then you have teams like Kansas City, Green Bay, and stuff. So, you have a $500 million quarterback. You can't have a... You know, two other guys with huge contracts anymore. Because mm-hmm. then 87% of your salary cap is lined up in three people and you need, you know, 49 other people on the team. So, and that's what if everybody was shitting their pants when Kansas City traded away Tyreek Hill. And it's like, well, look at New England. You know, if you're paying a quarterback $500 million, they should be able to take mediocre receivers and make them good. Mm-hmm. If they can't do that, they're not worth their half a billion dollar salary. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting sport, but I just love it. I mean, partly I think the reason I love football so much is the from the strength and conditioning aspect. Like there are arguably not – it's where the freaks live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what I love. Realm. <clears throat> yeah, and it's like, holy shit. You know, you got these people that are just – like we talked about earlier – you know, when you've got 300-pound dudes running, like, low fours in a 40, it's that's insane. Mm-hmm. But And I keep thinking, do you ever think that a team, and I don't know how this would work, but would do more of, like, a systems-type approach to be, like, instead of it, and again, I don't know anything about this, so maybe they do, it it just feels like everything is negotiated on a one-off, which I get because, you know, the player wants to get the most amount of money. <clears throat> the team wants to retain them for the least amount of money. Yep. But like with the Rodgers deals and other stuff, and I know the Vikings have run into this too, is that at some point, if you could get the timelines close enough, like you could sit down with Rodgers and say like, hey man, here's a deal. Like we can sign you to more money for a longer deal, but you ate up all of our cap and we have yeah. nobody to help you. Yes. I would have to imagine like more veteran senior players probably don't care that much about the money at that point. They just want to win. And I would yeah, imagine already, they yeah. would give up some of that if it was they think going to the correct direction. I mean, well, and you're, 
you're definitely Let's seeing see. that. Like, go ahead. Like with the Rams this last year, they bought a Super Bowl team. Yeah, they did that. Yeah, and so, but a lot of their guys came on because they're veterans and they've been in the league for eight years and they don't right. have a ring. Right. So they exactly. take that pay cut to chase a ring. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And you're seeing that more. And the, the the bad part about the cap is now you don't see players sticking around with the team forever. Right. You know, that they're drafted and they end there. There's a lot of bouncing around. And that's just something you got to get used to. Like, you're not going to be able to cheer for the same dude for his career. Mm-hmm. He's going to leave. And likely, what sucks is, like, like every team has their rival. Like, w- with Minnesota, who is it? Green Bay, probably? Yeah, it was Green Bay. And yeah. Brett Favre played so for the So you Vikings. see a lot of people. What, what <laughs> sucks is you see. Just that you see, like your favorite players from your team go to the biggest fucking rival, like we pull the Raiders. It's like I can't fucking cheer for you if you went to, you know, if you went to San Francisco and somebody that we don't hate and play all the time, I'd cheer for you still. But now I can't. (laughs) But uh, but like I said, at the same time, I think the benefits of it is better than the negatives because you really year to year it changes more now. You don't see. 15-year dynasties as much. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see the Dallas Cowboys back when they had Emma Smith, where it's, oh, fuck, Cowboys are here again. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, it's up for grabs every year. Look, fuck, the Bengals went last year. You know, and yeah. the year before that, they were like 4-12. and 12. Yeah. Whatever. So you can change a, you can change an organization overnight more than you could before because uh, everybody's swapping around, but. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it depends on the position. I would say most of the, the receivers, the receivers, in my experience, usually they go get, they go take the money. The pay yeah, cuts, not so, not so much. Yeah. Tom Brady really is the only quarterback that I've seen that, like, Patrick Mahomes has a big contract deal, but it's very flexible, so they yes. can move money around. That's why they did it, you know, it's what, 10 year contract, so. Yep. They can move his money around and, and keep people. And he's not actually like one of the – he's one of the highest paid, deservedly so, but he's not like the he's highest way out there. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Deshaun Watson's deal is probably the craziest deal because it's – All yeah, guaranteed? The, yeah, $230 million all guaranteed. Yeah. Woo! That's like a yeah. crazy deal. But <clears throat> 240 whatever it is. So it's a big deal. But like receivers like Tyreek – they gave him an extra year and a little bit more guaranteed money, like seventy million guaranteed or something like that. Yeah. But there's no way his career gonna is going to be better with, you know, Tua versus Patrick Mahomes. You know. Yeah. No, so, he gave it up for the money. And now, yeah. So I, I personally, I don't understand that as much with, like, I would understand. I understand that in basketball more. Like where you go get your, you know, you get your max deal in basketball and you're, you know, one of five players. But your whole career kind of hinges on having the right people and the right system Mm -hmm. in in football. And a lot of times it's hard to go from one system to another system and succeed. Yes. Because, I mean, there's just a lot of differing opinions and stuff like that. Like obviously Andy Reid's pretty creative and is able to do a lot with, various players here and there but still comes down to players you know and like why would you like the same everyone takes pay cuts in in tampa bay to stay around tom brady and have a chance at a super bowl Mm -hmm. well at least i shouldn't say pay cuts but sacrifices right like Mm -hmm. a lot of people will sacrifice to have that happen. sacrifice either their numbers or whatever 
that's less likely to happen with, you know, I would just say like the, like Devontae Adams deal. I think Devontae was kind of irritated with Aaron Rodgers himself. Like, yeah. Yeah. didn't like how all the stuff went down with him last year with all the, like the vaccine stuff and mm-hmm. like, and then I also think he was a little upset with Green Bay because they moved heaven and earth to give Rodgers another big contract, but he's been playing on his rookie deal. Like if they would have just did something earlier, like before now, he probably would have stayed. Yeah. But he was like, nah, I'm, I'm out of here. Cause yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, and that's rough too. You're the best receiver for two years in a row. I mean, one of the best receivers, like top three, right? Yep. And then they still can't find a way to give you any anything. And yeah. Aaron Rodgers was already getting paid pretty well, but they did everything to restructure that deal. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's tough. But I mean, you look at football, and this is where you know I relate back to Windler stuff, and it's what people don't understand. This like, like Windler says, every team, like he's at the high school level, of course, so it's even more drastic. Said every team's going to have their one or two stars. That's not what wins your game. You ignore those guys. Like, as far as him as the strength and conditioning end, he's like, I don't pay attention to them because the stars are going to do their work. You know, they're already great. It's which team has the best mediocre players. If you can make your, let's say you only have 22 people, 11 on each side of the ball, and there's a star on either side, what's going to win the game is making those other 20 people better than their other 20 people because that team has two or three stars too. Which can help, but at the end of the day, there's a ten more guys on the field. You know, if if you just bring their baseline up a little bit, your likelihood of winning is better. So that's like that's kind of what you're seeing in Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see it turn out. I mean, and we're not just I don't just bring up Kansas City because they're the team I follow and they're right down the street. But it's hard to ignore a team that has been to. You know, six AFC West championships in a row and four that basically they've been to two Super Bowls and four AFC championships in the last four years. You know, so arguably they are the top dog. So it's going to be interesting to see this shift from a star laden team with Kels, Mahomes, Tyreek to now there are no real stars on the offensive side besides uh, Kels and Mahomes, but it's a better well rounded team all over. Like the baseline has risen. So, and in my mind, if you're a $500 billion, million dollar contact quarterback, you should be able to turn mediocre pass catchers into great ones. Yeah. So now it's like, this is the year that we'll find out how good Mahomes is. You know, it's like, are you worth your $500 million? Because you're throwing a juju now, <laughs> not Tyreek. <laughs> you know? And there's a massive drop-off. I'm not saying he's bad, but you can't, you can... It's easy to make an argument that the drop off is big between who he had before because Tyreek's a game changer, man. There's, he's a, well, he's a one off. He's not only super fast, but he's agile. He can change direction in a, you know, he'll go from 4-2 to 4-2 in a different direction in a split second. So, and that's something you don't see, but yeah, and that's what's interesting to me from the, the strength and conditioning aspect and just the conditioning of the players and the, the level. The level that the mediocre guys are at, <laughs> mediocre in the NFL is still <laughs> fucking top, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, 
Yeah. It's tough to say. I'm like, I've never experienced what I would say is like what the average strength and conditioning is. Like when I train, I had a couple NFL guys where I would talk to the strength and conditioning coach just to see what their conditioning tests were and like what they wanted to see from their athlete or whatever. That was like early on. Oh, which I guess I'll mention that later, but, um, and it's different for every team in terms of what they find important or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of during the season, the only team I know that like really they lift during the season, they train as hard during the season as off as the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a lot of guys who don't like that. And I would, I would just speak towards what Mike was saying about having a system. I think the Patriots are the, one team that it's a, a real system, like a true system. Yeah, I think yeah. I even saw a picture of Bill Belichick squatting, like he had a bar on his back and he was doing some squats one day. It's like everyone does the thing, like everyone does the job. And they're just like held accountable to like showing up for work, doing the lifting. And I remember maybe it was, it was one of the Super Bowls they were at. I think it was the one maybe against the Rams. No, I think it was actually the one they lost against the, Phil- the Eagles. But, the linebackers, like, they, they're like, oh, you guys are still, you know, lifting. Like, he would go, it was, like, Monday. And so they were doing mm-hmm. some squats. And he was, like, they asked him, like, you guys still have to, you're still, you know, working out? He was, like, yeah, it's just another game, you know, for us. Mm-hmm. And it's Monday, so Monday is squat day. So we squat. <laughs> like, it's not, there's no from top to bottom. They also trade away all their draft picks. That's yep. how we got our, that's how we moved up to get that D back. Because mm-hmm. they'll take. Two picks to one, no yep. matter what. Like, they don't ever pick high, really. They no, and then pick, they pick. Yeah. They're weird. Like, they pick. Like, they traded our spots, and then they took. They've had two picks this year. And Bilicek will pick the weirdest fucking people. Like, he picked some <laughs> offensive lineman in the first round that was like, people had him ranked as like a sixth-round pick. And they're like, why the fuck did he take him? You know, he could have picked him up in round five, but... He's got some eye that other people don't see, and he just doesn't give a fuck too. And when you got six Super Bowl rings, you're not going to get fired for making weird picks. Yeah, he probably is allowed <laughs> the leverage. He's really secure that. in his position. You know, he's allowed freedom compared to a lot of other coaches. You know, so but yeah. Oh, so what were you thinking of? You were going to bring up something else. I was just going to say, I probably would have said it at the beginning of the show, but so CrossFit Lee Summit is switching owners. That was the first, it's the first gym I was coaching at. Oh. Uh, they're selling as of, today's like their last day as CrossFit Lee Summit before they become, I don't know if it's do work CrossFit. Everyone has left CrossFit. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> all the gyms that are like kind of OGs around here, I think it's called Freedom Elite now. So don't, so hopefully I'm not getting that too wrong, but. It was just the that was the first gym that gave me an opportunity to coach and yeah. like be a part of it with early on with Jay and then later on with Aaron Axmere and uh Jessica Axmere, but that was like the first gym I got an opportunity to coach and train at, you know, more or less full time and then I uh, was able to launch from there. So it's kind of the end of an era for I would just say CrossFit in the area. There are no OGs left here in KC with CrossFit stuff. I guess Vince at Cobra Command is probably it. I mean, but it's kind of just a, it's like a new wave of CrossFit people, which I actually think is kind of a, a bad thing. 
Yeah. Like, because they're going to end up making, oh, there's going to be a lot of the same mistakes made again. Yes. Instead of taking the lessons from the first wave and then, like, enhancing the process, it's probably going to devolve back into just do the hardest workouts ever at some point. <laughs> like, you know. Bring back Pukey the Clown. Yeah. You know, stuff like yeah. that. Versus, like, having people who are moving more towards strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Which is happening towards kind of the end. When I left, there was more people, but it was always a fight. There was always friction with the higher-ups and then strength and conditioning people. Yeah. Like, between, like, Castro and whoever... Like, if you did strength and conditioning stuff, everyone, not everyone, but, like, the higher-ups would push back against it and, and really kind of try to undercut you and make you look like an idiot. But now Yeah, because hopefully we, we had the early days where you'd go into a box and they all did the workout of the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if it goes back to that, oh, God. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the evolution of CrossFit was actually a good one, and what we were seeing here in the last few years was, oh, it's five years now. The cream was actually rising to the top. And what you saw is you should be just a, you had the CrossFit model. Everybody did the workout of the day or something very similar. And that's it. And they might have open gym time. And then you saw the ones that were succeeding were the ones that had, they had CrossFit. But then they also had like a weightlifting coach. They had a powerlifting coach. They had strong, they had different times for different genres. Uh, so people could concentrate on what they needed. Oddly enough, people are different. And they're, what they lack in is different. So you know, your athletes were able to take time to periodize their weakness and not get shunned. Like, you didn't do the workout of the day with us. You suck. Well, yeah, but, you know, uh, I need to work on this right now. So to, to be better at that. And we saw that happening, and that was a good thing with CrossFit. Um, and that was all done. Oddly enough, it was not done at the, the HQ level. No, that was all. It was actually like you were talking about. It was poo pooed at the HQ level. They want you doing the workout of the day. Um, it was the clubs themselves had evolved and brought that in, and hopefully, with this new wave or whatever CrossFit 3.0 or whatever the hell you're going to call this thing, it's we don't see that de-evolution back to the the old model. But yeah, I mean, just through CrossFit Summit in general, like there's, I mean. If it wasn't that particular gym that I ended up at, like, because they allowed me to start coaching weightlifting stuff, like, some people to do some weightlifting stuff and, coach, like, go to a meet, like, not only for me to train at their gym when I was in town, but also to, you know, a few of their lifters, they allowed me to, you know, run a program and do some stuff with them, um, which was, you know, kind of a new thing, like, that was more unheard of in the CrossFit area is like doing an actual weightlifting session um, as opposed to just like a weightlifting seminar that you could use for inside of CrossFit workouts. It was like actually weightlifting, like squat, snatch, clean, and jerk every day. But um, And so in, in that respect, like we were like towards the beginning and then started including a lot of stuff in the workouts. And so, yeah, it was – yeah, because of that is like what kept me in the like in the game really, or like at least even pointed me towards being a like a viable option for being a coach, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and like I said, those the owners that cross release on it were a big part of that. And so uh seeing that seeing that go is in the Kansas City area is kind of a tragedy to me, but I know they were kinda ready to move on, I think. So and there's other stuff along with, you know, gym ownership that like a lot of people don't think about. Like you're invested in people who, you know, sign up to the gym and stuff like that. So all like there's an emotional toll that goes into coaching and training people and and owning a gym and all that stuff. And it's not all like the greatest stuff in the world, but um so I know that stuff was kinda of tough for them sometimes, but Overall, they accomplished a lot, and I'm like super grateful for their uh, existence and input on my coaching and training. So, just wanted to shout them out on yeah. the show. Sweet. So, well, I suppose we can end it there. I got to go in and do. Uh, it's the fun week. We do this about every six months. We do reverse band work. Mm. Oh, it makes you feel so strong. It's it, like I'm a fucking badass for the next three weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I squatted eight fifty. It was really seven ten, but there was eight fifty on the bar. <laughs> do you find the transfers pretty good overall, Phil? I do, and it's mainly the fact it's kind of like the whole walkout thing. Yeah, yeah, you've had that. Basically, what it does is you just get used to that weight on your back. Yeah, yeah. So, it, and it makes you confident coming into actual weights because you know if i can make 825 feel good on my back then squatting 750 doesn't feel mentally daunting i think that's really when it comes down to it that is probably the 99 percent of the benefit is just getting getting mentally used to that load on your on your skeleton yeah so and that's what i like like i program off walkouts now and stuff for people just for that sole reason. Just, oh, nice. You know, we'll do, let's, I don't know, pull a number out of mass. They're squatting 365 today or whatever for singles. And I'll have them do walkouts with 405 first. You know, just walk out, hold it for like four seconds, put it back. Walk it out, hold it for, do that two times or whatever. And now go back down to your working weight and hit those. You know, hit your sets after and it's, it just feels light. You know, after you've walked that out, you're like, oh, man, I got this all day, you know, because you're, you're primed up, you know, arguably, I guess you could say your nervous system's primed up for it. Um, but I think a lot of it's just the mental side. It just doesn't feel heavy. You know, that's, that feels 50 pounds lighter because it is. <laughs> so, um, and then your, your mind's wrapped around that, you know, so, um, well, that's about it. So, until next week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. It's always we're always glad you could be here. So yeah, and we will catch you later. See ya.